Hello, and welcome to Parenting Help with Vigio Behavior Consulting. Join us for conversations with experts in the fields of cognitive behavior, mental health, behavior analysis, education, and child psychology. On this podcast, we examine the challenges that parents are facing and share insights and strategies that have helped other parents with similar issues. I'm your host, Katie Palmer. I'm a parenting coach and board-certified behavior analyst. I'm also the owner of Vigio Behavior Consulting. I am fortunate to be able to engage in conversations with some incredible professionals whose depth and breadth of experience can offer guidance for parents who are looking for new ideas. I hope you find this podcast useful, engaging, and insightful. In this episode, we flip the tables a bit and find that I am the one being interviewed. We talk about the acceptance and commitment training approach used at Vigio Behavior Consulting and some of the themes that are emerging in our parent and teacher coaching. This audio is published with the gracious permission of Dr. Lynn Kenny, a pediatric psychologist on the language and executive function teams at Wellington Alexander Center for the Treatment of Dyslexia in Scottsdale, Arizona. Dr. Kenny is the nation's leading pediatric psychologist in the development of classroom cognitive physical activity programs for students in grades K through 8. Dr. Kenny develops curriculum programming and activities to improve children's cognition through coordinative cognitive motor movement, executive functioning skill building strategies, and social emotional learning. This interview was part of the CogniSuite executive function training this fall, and I was honored to be asked to be a part of that learning. Please take some time to see the amazing work Dr. Kenny is doing to enhance learning through the integration of neuroscience and movement at lynnkenney.com. That's L-Y-N-N-E-K-E-N-N-E-Y.com. Hello, colleagues. It's Dr. Kenny again. Thank you so much for being with us. We've been doing these expert interviews as a part of our CogniSuite Executive Function training, and today we are ecstatic to have Katie Palmer with us. Katie is the CEO of Vigio Behavior Consulting. She's been in education for 20 years. She ran a mental health clinic. She's been the director of schools. Um, She's a BCBA herself. And Katie does this really cool um, kind of acceptance and commitment style of work. And she actually works with several of our families at Wellington Alexander. So Katie, I was hoping you could just be here today and tell us a little bit of what what you do. And then what are the, the themes that come up? I'm, I'm really interested in what you hear and how you teach people new skills. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's a wonderful journey that I've, that I've started with Vigio. And what I'm doing right now is I'm working with parents and with teachers under the um, approach of acceptance and commitment training, which is an extraordinarily well evidence-based approach. And our, my, my philosophy in using this approach with parents and teachers is that as we're able to help parents navigate sort of what's going on for them in the presence of challenges in their family or with their children, they are able to create a little bit of space between the, the way they're feeling in the presence of these challenges and what they decide to do. And 
just creating that little bit of space allows for some more values-directed behavioral choices. And when parents and teachers are able to shift that just a little bit, they end up changing the environment around the child. And that allows change for the child as well. Um, so we're finding some real <clears throat> extraordinary generalization is starting to happen um, and some great progress for, for these families that I'm working with. Mm. So tell us a little bit about acceptance commitment training. Acceptance and commitment training is, um, I think of it as a bridge. Um, it's a behavior analytic way of looking at how language can get us stuck. Mm. Um, there are a number of different ways to conceptualize the different processes within acceptance and commitment training. We talk, of course, about acceptance, and that is accepting our thoughts and feelings as separate from us, right? So that brings in this idea of diffusion a little bit. And it's not so much about accepting situations that are difficult, but accepting the thoughts and feelings that we're having in the presence of difficult situations. Um, so we've got some diffusion, which is that creation of space, like my thoughts and my feelings are not who I am. They do not need to direct my behavior. And then there's present moment awareness. In order to kind of create that space, we have to notice what we're thinking. We have to notice how we're feeling. We have to notice what's in the space around us. Mm. And that noticing can slow us down just a little bit, which sort of ties into one of the themes that, um, that I'm finding. And then we also talk about committed action toward values. So we do a lot of values discovery. What is it that matters most important to you as a parent, as an individual, as a professional? And oftentimes we find that the things that upset us most, right? It's like right on the other side of that are the things that are so important to us. And then we, we work through how do we take those action steps towards our values, even when we're really scared, even when we're really worried or, or uncomfortable in the situation we're in. Um, and then we have this sense of self as context. So can we be flexible in how we consider ourselves in any given context? So when I'm a mom, I really should maybe back off my role as a teacher and behavior analyst. <laughs> and can I flex in that context? Um, and that is just comes from my personal experience. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I'm a little too much of a BCBA with my kids, they'll call me on it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. What what if you know the parents that I work with have children who um, they transform in beautiful beautiful ways through the kinds of intensive treatments that we do, but when the parents first come to us, they're often in a lot of pain. Yeah. You know, having a child diagnosed with autism or dyslexia or ADHD when you don't know what to do, it hurts. So I wonder how you help them with their feelings, the parents' feelings, when it really hurts and they don't really want to sit with those feelings. Yeah. The first thing that I have found I, I focus on consistently because it shows up immediately in sessions with parents is every one of my families have huge hearts mm -hmm. and they they love in enormous ways their their family and their children and so seeing their children struggle and seeing their children in the kind of distress that comes with um you know communication difficulties or autism or adhd um, or emotional disturbance any of those categories that's big distress 
And as a parent, we, we are wired to help our children to kind of relieve that distress. When our kids are distressed, so are we. <laughs> and so by, by helping our, our children, that relieves our distress. The, the thing that we work on a lot after a little bit of self-compassion, like you are doing the best you can right now, I'm gonna help you gain some new tools so that you can add to your toolbox. We, we normalize this sense of, we are trying to relieve that stress from our kids. And then we create that space and we say, okay, is this a moment where I need to notice that my struggle is what's propelling my behavior versus my child's struggle? Um, there's a tendency for people to like fall into, oh, like you mean rescue parenting. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's not always a bad thing, right? So if we lump that into this like awful category, we can start to self-judge. Um, but when we start to talk about accommodating, am I accommodating my child's feelings in ways that are helpful in the long run? Are these workable accommodations or are they unworkable? And that's when we may need to learn how to tolerate our distress. Mm -hmm. My and favorite concept. Yeah, back here. <clears throat> Once back you here. start to be aware of the fact that you are having difficulty with your own experience of distress, it's so empowering. Yeah. I mean, it really just stops you and you go, oh my golly, okay. So yeah, so tell us about that. What a great concept. Yeah, is, you know, is this mine or is this yours? Mm -hmm. um, this idea of, first of all, noticing, this is, this is my distress that I'm wrestling with. And then working through not just how do I sit with it, but why? And when we can focus on that value of, I can handle being, being uncomfortable if it's in the service of my child's growth. In other words, a child who is really dysregulated won't learn to self-regulate without trying. And if we remove all of the, the aversive stimuli from the environment that this child is in, we're actually not allowing them to work through how do I navigate this? <clears throat> so can we look at our own distress and say, okay, I'm gonna remove five out of the six of the aversive stimuli for this child, I'm gonna ask them to struggle with one. Mm -hmm. And then what we've done is I'm gonna to tolerate this distress in the service of what I know is really gonna be good for my child. And you know, the other component of that, Lynn, is that I'm finding many parents are evaluating how good they are as a parent mm -hmm. based on their child, the, the size of their child's behavior, mm -hmm. the intensity of it. And if we can help parents notice sometimes being a good parent for however you've defined that means standing next to your child as they struggle. Mm -hmm. And when they fall down, holding out your hand so that they can take it and get back up. And they may still be loud and throwing things mm -hmm. and it doesn't that's not what defines you as a good parent mm -hmm. it's the size of their emotions 
Can you, um, for a moment, talk about moving toward your values or away from your values? Because I think that's a nice grounding concept for parents. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. There's a there's a tool that I use um, that I've borrowed from Kevin Polk and, and his work. It's called The Matrix. And many people are using it as a, as a really good visual. And it has quadrants. And um, I can certainly send you a copy if people are interested in that. When we are able to just even put down on paper, here, here are some things that matter to me. Um, and let's say having friends is something, having, having social interaction with connectedness with my friends, it's very important to me. That's, uh, it's not a goal that you can get to, but it's something you can always be moving toward. Mm -hmm. And so with this, this is sort of a classic example. If, if I am feeling anxious, about the way people might perceive me, I might stay home to avoid that feeling. People are judging me. People think I'm funny looking. People think I'm fat. People think I'm not funny or boring or nerdy. Like I blah, 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 about behavior and I worry that I get, <laughs> people are just bored. Like she's such a nerd. If I, if I sit with those feelings and stay home, then I'm moving away from that value that I have. And on the other hand, if I can, I will still have those feelings back to like distress tolerance. I am still gonna think people might not like me because I'm a bit of a nerd and a bit of a goober. And I wanna find some friends. Can I go to that party where I don't know anyone? Mm -hmm. And so that's that behavioral choice. There's that choice point in the middle. We can feel our feelings. We can have self-critical thoughts and still make a choice that we know shifts us a little bit towards those values. And it's in making that choice, that committed action, moving us toward our values. Um, you know, it's interesting because with children, Katie, the committed choice, I love that concept a lot. With children, I basically, it's about implementing the skills that you've learned. And if you don't have those skills, then asking help for what you need. And so I'm thinking as an example, um, let's pretend there's a child and that child really wants to form friendships, but that child is unique and maybe loud or intense or messy. Mm -hmm. And so we try to give the child the skills to recognize that their intensity doesn't help them get to their goal. And we, then we practice, as an example, being a little less intense, practicing kind of I call it rounding your corners, you know, mm -hmm. stepping into a relationship and rounding your corners. Um, does that fit within your model? These kind of ideas of making, helping the children be more skillful so that they can get to their value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of that is some of what you are teaching the kids is to notice, mm -hmm. notice what's happening as you get bigger, not because it's bad, mm -hmm. not because it's a wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But because what happens in your environment as you get bigger is people shift away from you. Mm -hmm. If you see that, can you turn your volume down a little? Mm -hmm. Not just voice volume, but energy volume. Right, sure. And by the way, that's me. Like me I too. I, I completely I've I'll even say in a conversation, if it's a very wonderful conversation, I might even say, I'm starting to feel dysregulated. That's how excited I am about this conversation. So I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to get centered so that we can continue on with this amazing conversation. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I the intensity doesn't have to be negative. It can be excited. Like if a child isn't really skillful about entering into relationships yes. and doesn't read the cues of another person very well, their intensity is excitement. It's not a bad thing, but they, like you said, they have to recognize when you get bigger, they get further. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that noticing component, right. And, and using, um, there's, there's a, uh, a, a version of this approach this acceptance and commitment training, which has been um, really designed around a, a developmental model. Um, and it's called the DNAV. So here's some more acronyms for you. Mm -hmm. Act, we've got the DNAV and it focuses on those stages of child development that discoverer within us all where we're learning cause and effect. We're learning what happens. If I do this, this is what happens in my environment around me. Um, and so we have this part of ourselves that can help us. And the noticer is gonna notice what's going on around us, what's going on inside our bodies. And then the advisor is the little voice in our head that says things like, sometimes it's not very nice to us and says things like, well, that was, that was dumb and, or maybe you're dumb or like it, it talks to us in ways that aren't so mean, but it also can talk to us in ways that are exciting. Like that looks like fun, mm -hmm. you know, so the thoughts that we have. And then the V is the, that vitality component, which, which comes from uh, the concept of values. But when we're little kids, you know, when we're working with small children, values is, is really too big mm -hmm. a concept. And so we can bring it, bring it down a little. It's like, what, what lights you up? What is it that brings that kind of excitement to you? Um, and so there's, there's a thousand skills in there, back to what you were asking about teaching these skills. I find that this model of psychological flexibility is about teaching the skills to get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I, I learned many years ago that um, we often ask of children or have expectations of children for which they do not have the skill sets. And when, as an example, a teacher, a wonderful teacher who just really doesn't know this body of work says, um, well, he's, he's fourth grade. I'm not gonna help him with that anymore. He should know how to do that. Yeah. I think, well, if he knew how to do it, he probably would be doing it because most children want to be liked. Most children want to be successful. Most children want to be a part of the community. So just looking for skill deficits as explanations of, quote, misbehavior is really helpful, I think, as well. Yeah, that, that idea that if you're not seeing the skill demonstrated in context, right. we as grownups, as the teachers, well, let's reteach it. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. If it was a new learner, and they learned something and the summer happened and they came back and they weren't demonstrating the skill, we might say, oh, right. let's reteach it. Right. Sometimes we show up with rules that are like, well, they should know this already. Yeah. Can they demonstrate the skill in context? Yeah. I've never heard that before. I love that. Katie, um, we have to go, all of our, you know, our interviews are like 15 to 20 minutes. I could talk to you for weeks on end. In fact, you and I have spent two and a half hours on the phone before. Yeah. Um, but what I want to honestly say about you, and I have said this to a few people, is call and make an appointment with Katie Palmer. She's going to transform your life. And I think there is therapy, there is education, and then there is transformation. And I feel like you bring the skills to the parents to really give them a fresh perspective 
on things that they've usually been feeling for many, many years. Um, and I just want to thank you warmly for participating in our course and providing this sage advice. Thank you. I love that phrase. I might, I might borrow that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You have a beautiful day. Thanks. You too.